Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's, um, let's see, Monday afternoon. It's Memorial Day. I left to teach this afternoon, and uh, as I promised yesterday, I'm going to try to uh, do the second of two history uh, podcasts this week. Frankly, I don't know if I'll do the others. I mean, I don't have any, but for some reason, this week dried up. I don't have any sponsors except for the Tefila one, uh, but we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. You never know. But if you don't hear anything, you'll know why. Now, um, today's podcast is being sponsored by Jordan Ledvina. Um, who is actually the chairman of the uh, Rabbi Katz Idiosyncrasies Committee. He's got a bunch of games he's invented based on my uh, weirdisms, uh, which are legion, but that's fine. As a married man, I am used to being made fun of. It doesn't bother me at all. Uh, and everything should be uh, good for him. Uh, he writes to me that they're betwixt and between. Nishta and Nishta here. They're making Aliyah for which they're to be congratulated. I wish them a, uh, um, what's the expression, happy landings. Uh, but now it's a corona and a war, and uh, they sold their house, and they haven't been admitted to Israel yet. So um, I do really wish them, uh, all joking aside, uh, that they'll be able to get through all the red tape, because the red tape in Israel is nuts. And uh, really, Israel should bend over backwards to welcome Olim. Um, but I know how it is right now. And anyway, the government's dysfunctional and, you know, it's unfortunate. So I do feel bad uh, for the family and I do hope them in the discourse of this and, and all the other uh, tefillos and so forth, I hope that you'll have Hatzloch in the very near future and the red tape will uh, fade away and you'll be able to make a a good and successful Aliyah in Israel. Okay? And uh, maybe we'll meet once we're in Israel. I haven't been there now two years. Usually it's longer than usual. I was going to go I guess a year ago, that's when I usually would have gone. Uh, and I have a son in the yeshiva over there in Baidvagan, but I'm sorry, in um, Yaakov. But, um, you know, the corona, right? Sat knocked off last summer, and it seems unfortunately like it's knocking off this summer. You never know. But uh, there it is. Anyway, maybe next time when I'm there, we can get together, we can meet. Uh, but I do thank you for the uh, sponsorship and uh, for all those drinking games. That's really cool. My uh, family's having a lot of fun with that. Now, um, <laughs> and as everyone knows as a family, if they only knew half of my idiosyncrasies. <laughs> anyway, uh, I said I would talk about two um, history podcasts. Uh, but I repeat, I don't have any sponsors for the rest of the week. So for some reason, it's all dried up. So I hope some uh, nice people will step forward, but we'll see. Uh, I said I was talking about two history podcasts. And... Uh, the reason is because this is a packed week. You'll ask me what I mean. If you know the Jewish tradition, um, in Jew, uh, in the Shulchan Aruch, in uh, chapter 500, in Arachayim, Tuf Kuf Beis, there's a whole bunch of days where it says, and I read from Tuf Kuf Beis, There's a whole bunch of days that people should fast. That doesn't mean that they do, but they should. 
You should even fast in Rosh Chodesh, which is interesting. And then he lists a whole bunch of dates, which I won't give all of you to. But they're fascinating. You know, maybe I will. What the heck? I'm just reading straight out of Shulchan Aruch Machaber. So there's a minig to fast and Rosh Nissan because of the not of Benabiu. Basarba Mes Miriam Benestalik Be'er. Miriam, and that's coming up now. Shlach, Korachukas. When you get to Chukas, Miriam dies. Uh, that's on the tenth day of um, of what he called of Nisan. So if you want to be a Yonas and Avshitz type, you'll connect that with the anniversary of the Shabbos Agadol. Right, because the really Shabbos Hagadol, as you know, was on the tenth of Nisan. Yeshu Benun apparently died a few days after Pesach. The famous Battle of Ophik, where the Philistines captured the um, the Ark, and uh, Chafni and Pinchas died, and Eli died from um, his back breaking and so forth. Uh, happened, I guess, on the tenth day of Eor, five days after Yom Atzmaut, as they say in Israel. Now, now comes the part that I want to call your attention to. Because this week, today should be Chavsivan, which I went into detail yesterday. Those of you who listened to the podcast yesterday, I hope that you went into Chavsivan, at least knowing Vastutzach. Okay? At least knowing Vastutzach. Uh, now, um, but forget Chavsivan. Isn't that interesting? So today is 20. So let's see now. Today's Monday. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Thursday will be 23 Sivan, I guess. So that will be the anniversary of the Berlin Wall. What do I mean? It says, I think you know this story, that um, you're on Benavut. The Jews used to be a united uh, group with issues. And to simplify, you had King Saul, you had King David, you had King Solomon. So that's approximately 100 years under United Kingdom. And then, when Shlomo died, Rechavim took over, and he was a, a jerk. And as a result, the kingdom split into two. Ten tribes, or something like that, followed Yeram and Nebat, and they made the kingdom of the north. And the remaining two tribes, Yudim and Benjamin, made it the south, plus uh, Kohan and Labim. Like I say, without getting the details. Now, I want to make something very clear. <clears throat> was this wrong to break away from the house of David? Uh, no. Yeruvah Mendebat is not um, uh, criticized. This is interesting. For leading rebellion against the house of David. To be more exact, it wasn't a rebellion exactly against the house of David, but rather, they refused, they declined to crown him, to acknowledge him as king. Because what happened was, when Rechavim, when Rechavim's father Shlomo died, and Rechavim wanted to be king, in the famous story, with his old set of advisors, the young set of advisors, so uh, he had to be accepted, elected by the tribes. David did not become king without being elected by the tribes. Look it up. Shaul also had to be elected by the tribes. And if you look closely, each one of them signed some kind of Magna Carta, in which they agreed to some sort of limitation on their powers. They had a Radak and the others, you know, going to what exactly it was. But it says that they signed a Magna Carta of some sort or another. And I think they maybe even deposited it in the base of Mignish or whatever. Now, the people wanted Rechavim to sign a Magna Carta. I remember the words. They said, your father Shlomo taxed us too heavily. 
And we want you to commit to taxing us, taxing us more lightly. Maybe I'm a little wrong. If you want to be very, very exact, your father made the burden too heavy. If you really want to get down to nitty-gritty, what they really seem to have resented was the corvée, where Shlomo compelled Jews to work for him as a slave rubber, um, you know, several months a year. One month on, two months off, one month on, two months off. <laughs> These were Jews. Um, having to work for an, for a master uh, without pay has always been very, very um, resented by the peasantry throughout history. And, um, you know, people didn't want it. Now, were they entitled to complain about what they regarded as the unjust orders of Shlomo? They are. The Torah is not a dictatorship. People have a right to express themselves, right? It's interesting. You know, what's a Moriba Malchus? I'm raising interesting questions. Maybe there are books in which Yimafarshim try to delineate this in a halachic way. But understand well the Jewish idea of a monarchy is not, a, you know, an absolute dictate. It's not Stalin over here. Even though there is such a thing called Moriba Malchus. But here it's not Moriba Malchus because they didn't accept him as a Melch yet. And if you put in conditions to accept somebody's a Melch, so then he's got to be subject to those conditions. He agreed. Now, famously, Rechavim did not agree. Not only that, he gave him lip. He said, my father is a kotoni of him, Masniyavi. What it took to support my father's uh, waist is what it's going to take to support my little finger. Meaning, I'll tax you and work even harder, and you don't tell me what to do, I tell you what to do. Well, that was stupid, and everybody resigned, and elected Yeram ben king. Now, if you know the story, Yeram ben had been anointed by a genuine prophet, Achia Shiloni. So that means God approved of uh, of this split. It's tragic that there's no calendar date when the kingdom split. However, subsequently, the famous story is that Yeruvim said that uh, I'm afraid the Jews might start going back Shal Shagalim. And when they took a look at the splendor of the base Hamidosh, so um, they'll start to say, you know, Shlomo had his good side as well as the bad side. Maybe we should go back to the reign of the House of David. And then me, uh, I'll be up the creek, they might kill me or something. And so, in order to hold on to his throne, he said, nobody should go back to, to the base of English. He actually built a Berlin Wall of one sort or another, from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean, it seems, so that it physically wouldn't be possible for Jews to go to Shalshagol. Like I always say, if you're super determined... You could take a ship and go to Egypt and go around, you know, but 99.9% effective, okay? Now, um, how could you do this? In the Chumash, it says, you have Shal Shagalim. Unless you say, the Chumash is wrong in some way or another, or we're modifying it. So what I'm trying to say is that in order for him to carry out his political program and prevent the Jews from visiting Beis Amigdash, he had to somehow or other come up with a Jewish religion that didn't involve the Shal Shagalim going to Jerusalem. I, the Chumash says that it does. I'm sure he darshaned in some way or another, but the bottom line is that's what, that's what let him make a golden calf. Now I have to tell you, um, incidentally, it does not say over here that it's the anniversary of the day he made a golden calf. I don't think it does. I think what it says is, um, that right, exactly, that they, that they put up the Berlin Wall. To be exact... Now, 
the, the recording, the first fruits, which obviously represents every day. That was the first thing they blocked. And then all the other things you have to bring to the base of Middash. And so, in order, David was very clever, and he intertwined the, the Jerusalem and the Temple together with Judaism. And then Roman never wanted to separate him, and he couldn't, so he made his own religion, his own form of Judaism. Obviously, in the Roman Benavot form of Judaism, some mitzvahs were still there. I'm sure. On the other hand, the mitzvah of Ali al-Regal Yushalayim was not there. And, you know, a clever person can dash anything they want, and by the time it's over, they made the golden calf, and the northern kingdom went on its bad way. And every single king in the northern kingdom, Yerobim and afterwards about 20 kings altogether about, worshipped the golden calf. Some did even worse. So, the anniversary of this date is this week, on Thursday. Uh, from our modern perspective, um, it's it's noteworthy that the part they're talking about is they can't bring the Bikurna base amygdosh. I would put it this way. The Jewish people stop being a unit. Um, it's very, very sad to contemplate that we Jews today are trying to hang on to the survival with one hand tied behind our back because we don't have most of the tribes. The Jews are a small group, and we're only a fraction of a small group. There's only 12 or so million Jews in the world. They lie with their numbers, maybe even less than 12. Don't believe the numbers. They tell you they're liars. And so, uh, this mom is a tiny group, and uh, the group is not growing. Let's put it this way. Now, if we had another 10 tribes, those that we had roughly five times what we have, right? So, we you know, roughly... So instead of 12 million Jews, you'd have 50, 60 million Jews today. Whoa, be a different story. They could tell the Arabs where to go. But we don't. It's our destiny. We have to operate in this way. This all goes back to your own Uh I have to tell you, speaking of coincidences, uh, I happened to be seeing yesterday or t- last night, coincidentally, you know what that means. Uh, I'm, uh, as I mentioned already, I have my mother's yard site coming up soon. And so I'm trying to finish um, Sanhedrin in the Yerushalmi. And it happened to be up to Nun Aleph or so, getting near the end. It's about 57 blood approximately. So I finally got into Perichelech. And uh, they asked, what did you run about this word language of Yerushalmi? I couldn't believe it. What did you run about do so big? That he should be singled out. And then it goes on to say, well, he was Mechadesh something. What was he Mechadesh? What was he Mechadesh? Now, I could think of a lot of things. I would expect him to say he was Machadesh a Berlin Wall. But they say it was very strange to me. It says the following. What, he made a golden calf? Everybody made a golden calf. That's Loshan Rishalmi. When, as a matter of fact, he says, when you read the story of the Eglazov, um, even though you talk about the Eglazov, every Shevet made an Eglazov. So there were 12 of them, or 13, whatever. Every Shevet had an Eglazov. The one about Moshe Rabbeinu was the, um, what's the right word? The national Eglazov. You get it? That one belonged to, to the whole people. So Reuven had one and Shimon had one. I don't know about Levi, but Yisachar is one, Don, Naftali, Godasher. Each tribe made a golden calf of some kind that they worshipped. In addition to that, there was one that was Meshutaf by everybody. That's the one that was destroyed by Moshe all the rest of it. I'm, maybe I'm a dummy, I don't know. I don't think I heard that before. Uh, is Rashi saying that? I don't know. Um, and in that case, what do, what was the Rambam about Machadish? Uh, because a lot of people did other sins, and might even seem to be bigger. 
for some reason, the, the Gemara is not preoccupied with the fact that he broke the unity of the Jewish people. Uh, and the Gemara goes on to say something very strange. The Chiddush of Ram Baduat that made it worse was he did not only have one Meshutov statue, one national statue, he made two. No one had made two before. Because Ram Baduat says when he set up the golden calf, he made two. One in the south, one in the north. When I say the south, the south of the north, which would be the middle of Israel, Basel. And the only north where Tel Dan is. Okay, I mean, that doesn't seem such a gigantic thing to me. In the list of all the other sins. But it's nevertheless interesting, sad, the interesting, that this week, uh, Thursday, is the anniversary of this uh, of this uh, breaking of the base of English connection with everybody else. And it lasted hundreds of years. And uh, there were about 19 kings, I think, of the north. And only the last guy, Hoshea ben Elah, um, was the last king of the north, I think. And he took down the Berlin Wall. Which is why when you read about Chizkiyahu becoming king in the south at that time, and Chizkiyahu was a tzaddik, so he tried to revive Passover, and he sent messengers to the north to try and invite them to come and experience Pesach, which they hadn't done for hundreds of years. The reason they could do this is the Berlin Wall had just been taken down. But until then, it would not even be possible for Chizkiyahu to appeal to the Jews in the north, because the, the wall and the guards wouldn't let him through. So that's what happened this Thursday. Two days later, which would be Shabbos, uh, yeah, Shabbos. So, um, so three of the martyrs uh, were killed. You know, um, we always read together on Yom Kippur and on Tishbub. But I think many of you know, I suspect many listeners know, that that's not exactly true. It's a poetry. It's a piyut. Yeah, sorry, Malkus, we're not killed at one time, it's ten. Um, just to give you off the top of my head, uh, Shem Gamliel, who we're talking about today, was killed during the siege of Titus in the year 70. Uh, Rabbi Kiva, who's one of the ten martyrs, was killed by Bar Kochba, which is 50, 60 years later, in the 130s. So, poetically, they put them together, like you say today, Hitler killed all the Godolim. He didn't go around at one time shoot all the Godolim, but between one point and another, he went after him. You know, that that kind of art. So, uh, apparently, I don't know exactly how, because we do not know how it happened. Uh, and I'll tell you what I mean. Uh, the War of Titus is described in great detail in Josephus, in great detail. And the siege of Jerusalem took place where Shemagamil was. I don't know about the other one. Uh... The siege of Jerusalem took place starting in the Pesach. The siege of Jerusalem by Titus was from the end of Pesach, basically, to uh, Tishbub, of course. Uh, so, here we are in the middle of that. In the middle of Sivan. It was just interesting. The siege would have started in Er, late Nisan, and gone through the Roman siege, Er, Sivan, Tammuz, and so forth. Uh, so, according to this, the big rabbi, the Shemagamil and Rishmal, were must have been captured by the Romans in the middle of the siege somewhere, probably when they broke into one of the smaller neighborhoods. If you get the art scroll book, what's it called? Second Temple Period, I think. There's a certain page if you flip through, and they have a very nice uh, diagram of the progressive stages of the siege of Jerusalem and how the Romans first took over, um, 
I'll use our language. There was first took over um, the Bronx, and then they went to uh, Brooklyn, and then they went, you know, to Queens, and on the end they went from Manhattan. So they took over this neighbor to Jerusalem and that neighbor to Jerusalem, so finally got to the part that they were looking for, which is the higher bias area. So it seemed that the f two famous rabbis, uh, which is described so poetically, they ripped off the skin of uh, Yerushimal and so forth, uh, took place um, in the middle of the siege this week. So this transports us mentally to uh, the fact that we're living in a time of the year when, when the siege of the Romans, the siege of Jerusalem by the Romans happened. And here's two famous rabbis that, that, that were killed. And apparently, uh, it was a fast day. It's funny to me. Somehow or other, the story of the 24,000 students Rabbi Kiva took off and had wings. And this thing, which uh, you would think is even bigger, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. And Shemagonil, who was tortured to death, um, has fallen into desuetude. Now, two days after that, Besner Kamishabo is Nerek Shimon Gamliel and Abishmal and Chenis Gana Kohanim. No, I said it wrong. Nisra Rabchanim Ben Tradian, Chenin Ben Tradian, Sefer Torimo. So, two days later, that'd be Sunday and Monday. So, one week from today uh, would be the burning, there's a famous story of Chenin Ben Tradian with the Sefer Torah. You know, you know the story. Gvilin uh, Nisrafim. And Ozius Pochers Barir. Yeah, he wouldn't stop teaching, and they burned him with the Saber Torano, and the uh, executioner did him a favor by speeding it up, and then the executioner jumped in. That whole theme story. That took place a week from now. Now, mind you, Chanina uh, Mitradian is from the Hadrian times. In other words, you know, he's the father of, father of a mayor. From the Hadrian times, um, not from the Titus times. So that's what I mean to say he's from the time of Rabbi Kiva. So it doesn't mean in that year, on the 23 or, or 25 C1, these three rabbis were killed. And two days later, the other rabbi is killed. It just means that calendar date is a bummer. It's a it's a it's not a lucky week. Because in the same week, 50 years earlier, this one was killed. And 50, 60 years later, that one was killed. So it's quite a packed week in Jewish history with uh, not happy events. It's a, a, an era laden with um, meaning of a certain type. Now, when I saw this, I just saw it the other day in Shul. To be truthful, I saw uh, it's brought it up. Because uh, I was looking at something, Yaris Tavash, but something I was learning, and he mentioned something of about Ochoz blowing out the candles um, at the uh, near Marovi. For precious, uh, you know, Baluska. However, that led me thinking... And so let me open up my rusty, trusty um, uh, McGill's Tinus, which I think I've done with you once before, maybe about Caligula. And the McGill's Tinus, of course, is, has a different nature. But it turned out to be something very interesting in light of the war in Israel now. And I'll tell you what I mean. Um, the McGill's Tinus is a list of dates in which you're not supposed to face, correct? Which you're not supposed to face. I think we know that. Now, um, it's a calendar, a list of calendar dates. Hey, let me get this thing here. Here it is, okay. Um, listen to this. I'm talking about the month of Sebens. I said, what do they have in the month of Sebens for this week? Right? For the Jordan Levina week. So, um, Besser Mechamshabe. 
Now we just talked about the fact that on the twenty fifth, number of famous rabbis we call the time of the uh, time of the Romans. On the other hand, there's a very unusual um, passage here in the Miguel's Tinus, um, which is one of these that got at the things. You know, I don't know if it's exactly so, or maybe they're mixing names, or maybe they're not. And basically, as you know right now, as a result of the Gaza War and a lot of other things, the PC stuff, so the legitimacy of Israel is being attacked, the legitimacy that Jews altogether being attacked, and, uh, you know, the media is going along with it, and the basic idea is Israel's apartheid, they don't have a right to exist, and the same charges were made in a different way, it's a literary piece I'm reading, on the 25th of Sivan, which is the Shabbos, I guess, uh, the Dimos uh, Noi, which would be the prosecutors, the accusers. Dimos is a people like democracy. So the Dimos Noi, the public prosecutors, were kicked out of Jerusalem. So what's happening over here? So, again, I'm reading a very uh, traditional, uh, from Girsa, there are other Girsas here. Kishabob Negishmola Oral Yisrael Bechora. That uh, one time the Arabs, you won't believe this, came to challenge Yisrael al It's Mamash the Palestinian. This is the argument being made on the media and the Instagram and everything else right now. It's incredible. So the Yishmal, the Arabs, were met, were joined by the Palestinians, by the Kananim, Umitzrim, and the Egyptians. So the Jewish right to even be there was challenged and uh, this piece says it's time of Alexander the Great. <laughs> I guess they say that because otherwise, why would you care what somebody sells unless you're dealing with somebody who could turn the world upside down at his whim? <clears throat> so, uh, so the Jews, just like today, did not were not good debaters. You know, I tell you, stand up and make the case for Israel or the legitimacy of the Jewish rights, all the rest of it. Most Jews don't want to do that. You know, that's not our training. Just like most Jews don't want to deal with the missionaries. You understand? It's a shame. And so, here you have like a Hasidic tale. So, the guy named Gvim Bemsiso, who was a shower of he was a, a, a watchman of the gate. Meaning, as we say today, a flunky. Right? He said, I'll take them on. I'll debate them. So, he wasn't a big Chacham, uh, and he was a shower of And Gvia means he's a hunchback. And he's going to do it. He's a hunchback. Mamash, what we would say today, don't lose a debate and hand them over the land of Israel. If you lose a debate, Tachlut Lehem is Eretz Yisrael. Armelehem, Eilich Vaduni Mohem. On the contrary, I'll go and debate them. And if they defeat me, notice if they're better in arguments and undermine the legitimacy of the Jewish claim to Israel, then you can disown me. They say, ah, he was just a, a janitor, big deal. He doesn't represent the Jews. Which is what we would say today. Suppose somebody had a debate online or whatever with one of these Arab things and, and the Arab got the best of them. Then we say, well, the guy was a loser. And uh, indeed, many of the Arabs are very good and Muslim are good in debating. Uh, it's a shame I'm saying this. I recall a couple of years ago, maybe you do, that um, there was this from family in... Uh, Somewhere in the Negev. It wasn't State Road, but someplace like that. And uh, the guy got on to, online to debating with a Muslim 
uh, religious uh, person, you know, a Qadi or something like that. I'm a, you know, an, uh, an Arab clergyman. And uh, by the time it's over, this is how I remember the story. The Jewish guy lost, acknowledged that the Arab was right, and like a week or two later, there was a press conference in East Jerusalem where his whole family, which, whole family, husband, wife, and kids, which prior had been from, and probably even keep us through God, maybe, now flipped and they all joined the Muslim. They all converted and now they're all dressed Arab style. It's a, quite a story. Now, then the debate takes place. All on this coming Shabbos, that calendar date. Amr Yishmaelim, the the Yishmaelim said, I'm going to give to Israel to Lazarachov, which includes Let's make a partition of Palestine. Isn't that amazing? This is I'm reading you a text that was composed or written thousands of years ago, or close to that, two, approximately two thousand years ago. Uh, here the Arabs are saying. Uh, let's partition Palestine. The Jewish guy says, As soon as he found the Pasuk where it says that Aram gave So the Arabs fled, meaning the attempt to force Yishmael on there was defeated. But then the Palestinians, coming from a different point of view, that were the indigenous people. It's incredible. They said, Eretz Kanan Shalonu. She can't cause it, but our Eretz Kanan Levulosel. Even God refers to it as Eretz Kanan. Armelang B. Mesisa, the Jewish guy, responded, Is there a decree that's only partially filled? Haritsu knows you're quoting me a Pasuk in the Torah. Uh, Eretz Kanan. So that means you accept the Torah, the Old Testament, as a valid document. Well, it says, Oror Kanan Eved Avodim Yelomo. Kanan is an Eved. Eved Shikon Nechassim Eved Nechassim. Then he's an Eved to us, so we own all whatever he owned. Seeing as the land was yours, we get it because you are Eved. And by the way, you owe us a lot of back pay. I'm Alexander. According to the story, Alexander the Great, who was presiding, said, This Jew has a good uh, claim. If you can respond, good. Otherwise, you all have to become his slaves. He owns you. The Canaanim over here, the Palestinians, said, we need three days. They didn't have an answer. They were afraid that they would then become enslaved. They immediately fled for their lives, abandoning all their property, which reminds you of 1948. I'll read it again. So according to this story, that was what happened to the Palestinian narrative. Independent of the Islamic narrative. And the Rice here goes on to say, happened to be a Shemitier, so it was a bonanza for the Jews because, you know, the crops were already made. They didn't have to, they had a lot of food. Boom, Mitzvah finally came the Egyptians. Mitarasim of Irayim. We can bring a proof in the Torah. Shola Isha Shkenta. And we guard space. The Jews borrowed a lot of money on the way out. 
Shishim Riba Anoshi Yotzim Mitzleinu Kulm Tuna Kesev Izov. There were 600,000 men at least who left loaded with goodies. Kesev Izov. Because it says, Vayinat Sores Mitzrayim. Yit Nulona Kaspenu Zahavu. Give us our money back. Our gold and silver. Olamin Vim Mimsiso. So the Jewish guy said, since you bring a proof from the Torah, so you have to be bound by it. The Jews were in um, Egypt uh, 430 years. That's what it says, going by the Torah. You guys, we had 600,000 of our fathers who were enslaved working in bricks and uh, mortar and all kind of hard work without being paid. Now, I don't understand this because they could claim we enslaved you, but anyway. And he said like this, bring me a um, calculator, right? And how much is our work worth a day? Let's settle for a dollar, like we say today, you know, one cent on the dollar, you know. Uh, let's say the labor of each guy, each shoe, is worth a grand total of one seller. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll stipulate that. But then, 600,000 people times so and so many years. Yashin Philosophim Chishol, the Philosophim meaning the math guys, you know, the the, the uh, calculators started working. And the Jews there for 400 years. Once they calculated 100 years of work of work, Egypt was bankrupt. So the Egyptians fled in disgrace. So here we have an interesting case this week. Because I repeat, this story is taken seriously by the Chazal, and they declared it on Megillah's tiniest day. Now, it so happens it falls out, I guess, on a Saturday, so it doesn't matter, meaning there's no Tachlan anyway, and you're not going to fast on a Shabbos. But the calendar date, per se, is of significance. And they conclude with a very famous story. Bikshu Alexander Mukdam Lalis Rishlaim, the Alexander Great wanted to visit Jerusalem. The Kusim, the Samaritans went and told Alexander because they didn't like the Jews. That the Jews are actually not going to treat you with respect because when it comes to the temple, there's a room they won't let you in because you're not Jewish. Which, of course, is fudging it because that's not simply the reason. Even a Jew can't go in the Kachikachim, but that's what they said. The Kivin Shehirkish Kvim when when our hero Gvia, who apparently the hunchback, who apparently was uh, appointed after this successful debating experience to be the personal tour guide of Alexander in Jerusalem, including the Temple Mount. So when he realized what had been said, he went and made two of the most expensive socks that were ever made in history. You know, so Alexander will be able to walk around barefoot, but you can even walk around in socks, but the socks will be, have uh, diamonds and stuff on them, so it shouldn't look like they're dissing him. The king should get hired by some of them, and when they reach the Temple Mount, uh, our hero said to Alexander the Great, Adoni HaMelech, Shlof Min Alecho I want you to take off your boots and put on these two socks, Shabritz Mechalokihib, because the floor of the Temple is, is slippery, I don't want you to slip. No, he didn't want to tell him they have to take your shoes off, per se. 
when he got the Kodesh HaKadoshim, we can't go into the, this room. Alexander said, heck with that, I'm going in. You can't tell me where I can't go. And when I emerge at a Kodesh Kodoshim, I'll straighten out your back, which means I'll give you such a whack on your um, hunchback, you won't be a hunchback anymore. Imatosa came, so the Jew said, if you can do that, then you can quit this Alexander the Great business, become a chiropractor of all times. You'll be called the greatest chiropractor in history, and you'll be able to have big fees. So, this is Mamish, the original version of the famous story. Look, the first Jewish president of the United States is being sworn in. And the mother said, yeah. But his brother is a doctor. <laughs> you know? So, here, Grim of 2,000 years was saying, you know, Alexander the Great conquered the world, victory over the Persians, and so forth. That's good, but yeah, you could be a doctor, right? And then Alexander was bit by a snake, and apparently he hopped, and, uh, and he realized, you know, um, let's put it this way, <laughs> you know, he's not going in the Kodesh Kodesh. It's not a good idea. Now, um, I've seen the other version of this, I forget where, in which, because this is in the Gemara somewhere, um, in which he, the Alexander laughed. I think that's what it was. In other words, he could have taken it as an insult. Oh, you could become a great doctor. But he took it as a good joke, you know, like Johnny Carson or something like that. And it was in a good humor he left, meaning he didn't hurt anybody. It could have gone either way. The guy was nuts, Alexander the Great. At the drop of a hat, he could have said, kill all the Jews. But he chose. He thought, that's a good joke, you know, and I won't go in the room. Either way, it's a dramatic business, and it all happened this week. So you see that sometimes, if you take a look over here, and again, I, I'm calling your attention to a, something that's there, but most people don't usually look at it. Uh, I just saw the confluence of all these things. So it's Chaf Nisan, it's Chaf Gimel Nisan, it's Chaf Hei Nisan, Chafenison appears in the tragic days. It also appears in the story I just read you in the Megillus Titus. Once in a while, you have these uh, weeks, not too often, where um, a whole lot of stuff, it's a very fateful week in Jewish history. Uh, right now, obviously, we're going through, uh, what shall I say, weird times, Legabi, the politics in Israel. You know, the government's changing every five minutes. The combination of these idiot uh, politicians is is getting worse all the time, and that reminds us of the Rav Ben What can I tell you? Um, the Gaza war and the big uh, international media effort, which is succeeding in delegitimating Israel, I repeat, in delegitimating Israel, from the New York Times down, um, reminds us of the Gvi Ben Sisi story. You see? The martyrs, the death of the martyrs, what can I tell you? You know, it is what it is. So, um, I think there's a, a lot you can uh, hop from contemplating these events. And uh, the Jewish history is not static, you understand? Jewish history is not static. We have sometimes, uh, not every incident mentioned in the Megillus Tinus is of such dramatic nature, but collectively they kind of are. By the way, the, the uh, again, it's just funny, the Coincidence of time. The other event of Sivan. One minute. 
pulling out. Not the 25th, but something already pa happened were uh, wars with the Palestinians. And the 15th and 16th, the uh, uh, really like a Palestinian population, actually Samaritan population, uh, was exiled. That goes back to the Maccabean Wars, or the Hasmonean Wars, the time of John Hyrcanus. And um, what it means is they pulled the mayor Kahana on him. You understand? This is all very controversial stuff. Uh, and uh, it's remarkable, these uh, coincidental uh, kind of dates that pop up in the air. Once again, I, wish, I thank the uh, Jordan Levina family, and we wish them, as they say, an easy time in the Aliyah process. Uh, Israel ought to wake up and help people like this. Uh, and with that, I bid you a good day. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidovidkatz.com.